I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, lead analyst of Free Doggins on YouTube. And joining me, as always, the green light waving his finger. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? Oh, a loss. Alas, it's, a loss. We can't we can't go 82, no. Unfortunately. We thought I was in the cards. This was we, the put the, we put the over under at 81 and a half. And as far as wins for the season, uh, we both took the over, and it looks like we're wrong. But I'm not mad. Like I, I'm not like frustrated. We've gotten some tweets tonight. We're, we're recording this. Um, I don't know a little bit after a game, and like we've already gotten some tweets. And I get that. Hey, this is a close game. You want to win close games, but I'm not mad. I'm not like frustrated after this. I thought there was a, a lot of good things to pull from this. I think a lot of this has to do with CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard just being that good. Yeah, um, yeah I'm not. I'm not mad. Like, yeah, I, I'm not super frustrated after this game. We lost. Okay. On today's podcast, we are going to break down the Mavericks' 119 to 121 loss to the Portland Trailblazers at home. We will discuss all the Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum stuff. We'll discuss Luca and Porzingis combining for what did they combine for? Like uh, 61 points. Come on. 61 points, let's go. Uh, and a bunch of rebounds and assists. We'll talk about them. We'll talk about the role players around those two guys. Talk about Seth Curry going off. We'll talk mm. about a whole bunch of things. And especially the end sequence. We'll break it all down. How the game ended. The coach's challenge. And how the Mavericks kind of gave this one away a little bit. And uh, we'll discuss all that on the podcast today. So... Man, do you want to just start from the top? Because I don't want to start at the end and go all the way, you know, back. So, gosh, yes. So let's start at the beginning. So we get in, we get in another starting lineup, a starting lineup we had mm. seen in the preseason, but not so far in the regular season. Uh, Delon Wright with Brunson in the backcourt with Luca. So three point guards, <laughs> three point guards in the backcourt to start with Porzingis and Maxi to start. Uh, this lineup didn't really surprise me because you're not super concerned about Rodney Hood going off, which they probably should have been. So they put Luke on him. Of course, he gets like what fourteen points in the first quarter. <laughs> he only scored six the rest of the game. So, uh, but you're not super worried about them. You want two guards that can stay with Dame and CJ. Uh, the thing with them is you could, if you have good guard defenders, you put them on them. It's really not going to matter too much unless you have like Patrick Beverly or you know a, a super great defensive guard. So you just need guys that can try try and stick with them. And then Zach Collins and Hassan Whiteside, you're not super worried about them, so you keep KP and Maxi out there. So this that lineup made sense. And Dwight Powell was still out of this game. He has not been he's not back yet. Uh Isaac, are you worried? <laughs> he has missed more games than I yeah. thought he would. <laughs> we just ask that question every time. <laughs> um so at the beginning we got we actually had Brunson on Damian Lillard and Delon Wright on CJ McCollum, which was kind of uh an interesting matchup to watch, Delon Wright on CJ McCollum. What did you think of that about the starting lineup though? Yeah, I didn't mind it. Uh, I actually liked it. Um, 
I liked it. They put Brunson out there with DeLon. I mean, he obviously knew DeLon was going to, uh, or at least figured, you figured DeLon was going to start this game for his defense on one of those two guys. And, um, yeah, honestly, I could have seen either way. I could have seen Courtney Lee starting again this game and saying, hey, just go chase around one of these guys and try to defend these guys. But uh, they're really high on Brunson's defense on the perimeter, and I think he's an underrated defender, just like Seth Curry. Man, Seth Curry, that defensive sequence in the second half was incredible. Rick Carlisle cannot talk about Seth Curry without saying that his defense is underrated. He cannot he cannot say or answer a question about Seth Curry without saying that his defense is underrated. He's always going to get that. Like I feel like his last year in the league, whenever it is, you, people are going to tweet it out because it's just, hey, that Curry name, defense, some people – People just don't want to associate defense with uh, the Curry name. But, yeah, they started Brunson with those two guys. In a weird way, sometimes these matchups don't matter because they switch so much. They switch so much in this game. Yeah, to where, you know, if you're Lillard or CJ or somebody, like, you're just getting Luca or Maxi or some of these guys on switches. Like, you're just bringing their man up and switching them off. Even that very last play of the game in the fourth, I know we're not there yet, but or one of the last plays for you know Lillard, he just got Luca on the switch and just went right past Luca and up and under Luca for the scoop layup. And that's just in those scenarios when you're not going when you are are going to switch, matchups really don't matter that much. Yeah, it matters the personnel on the floor and how your team defense is going to respond because it would have been nice to get some help. In the paint there for Luca on that last play that you talked about, uh, but first quarter, man, what a first! It was almost it's the complete opposite of the first quarter against the Pelicans. The Mavericks scored forty points, the Blazers scored twenty five. Luca and Porzingis were going off. Um, Maxi Kleba had what did he have like twelve points in the first quarter? He was hitting threes, he was rolling to the rim, um, and the the game was tied twenty five to twenty five with three minutes and nineteen seconds left in the first quarter. Yeah, and then it went on the 15-0 run, and I mean, what a heck of a freaking quarter. I mean, what a run. It was just a ton of fun. The energy, um, both in the fans and on the court, uh, it was that. You're like, all right, let's go. Because, yeah, you had the first two games of the season. You're like, hey, let's hope that it's 2-0. You go into this Portland team. This Portland team's a little bit different than Pelicans and Wizards. They're a better team. They, they've been in the playoffs. They went to the Western Conference Finals last year. This is a team that should test the Mavericks. Yeah, and it, it's funny seeing, especially on Twitter, it's fun seeing national guys like tune in to like Mavericks game. You start seeing yes. some of them because in the past like two or three years, you know, hardly anyone was watching Mavericks games or at least tweeting about them from a national standpoint. And you start slowly seeing some people talk about Dallas's offense and KP and Luca together. And all. I'm like, all right, cool. Like <laughs> this shows that the Mavericks are yeah. a good team. And, you know, they took that lead against Portland. And you're like, all right, if they open this up, this is going to be, a put the league on notice type of win if they open this up to like a 20 25 point win and but you can't count out a team like this it's you have to remember how good Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum is and it's not always a knock on on Dallas because they put up you know what CJ had 35 and I don't even know what Damian ended up with but well, he only had two points in the first half and he finished with with uh what did he have 28, 28 or yeah. something yeah, I mean they're just they're they're literally according to ESPN two of the top thirteen players in the league. <laughs> the thing uh, is but, though, CJ McCollum, we we joke about that ranking, but man, the guy is so skilled. He can just do so many things off the. I mean, him and Lou Williams are like the same player in some instances, but CJ can. Just he would do more. he would be a. Yeah, I think he's better 
like playmaker facilitator than Lou Williams, but I think he would be a per- oh man, he's a perfect fit next to Luca and KP if they could ever. Just yeah, another another shot maker doesn't need the ball in his hands, but when you put it in yeah. his hands, you know they, they would stagger him with with those two guys, right? Like the yeah, the, the moments where you have just KP on the floor and no Luca, you put CJ out there, that would be amazing. But but alas, <laughs> so that was the first quarter. Um, Dorian Finney Smith was doing all kinds of things in the first quarter and throughout the entire game. Uh, Freaking love that guy. His line wasn't super impressive. And this is one of those games where you have to watch the game in order to understand his presence. He had mm-hmm. six points, nine rebounds, and one steal, and uh, only two turnovers and three fouls. But four of those four offensive yeah, rebounds. Four, four of those were offensive rebounds. And he's just so important to the Mavericks. Um, coming up, we'll, we'll talk about CJ and and Damian Lillard, and I think Dorian Finney-Smith has to be included in that conversation as well. All right, Isaac. So, oh, today's podcast is sponsored by Indochino. Forgot to tell you that. It's the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering the code Locked On at checkout. So we were talking about Dorian Finney-Smith. And just all the different things that he does, his hustle plays, getting you know loose balls, playing defense. They had DeLon Wright on C.J. McCollum when they went on that run in the second quarter when the Blazers went on a run. And then at like six minutes and ten seconds, they switched and put Dorian Finney-Smith on, on uh, C.J. McCollum instead. And I think that made a big difference at that point. Because uh, C.J. was just – I mean, C.J. was just killing him and doing everything. Uh, and I think yeah. switching when when he was killing them and when Delon was on him and then Carlisle called timeout switch. I thought that was really significant. Yeah, I mean Dorian going back to even last year, maybe in the year before that, Dorian's shown that at his six foot eight frame, like he can guard some of these point guards in the league. And this is why I keep advocating for him to be a starter in in this unit because he can guard some ones in the league. He can guard some threes. He can guard some fours. And Nick is giggling while I'm sitting here talking. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll have a Luka Doncic quote later that Tim McMahon just tweeted, and uh, I, it'll make you laugh, Isaac. Uh, well, I saw it. I, I saw it on my phone a little bit okay. ago, but I, yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll talk. talk we'll discuss Luka, his shot selection. We'll discuss all that stuff later. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's the best defender on the team. I think he's a better defender than uh, than Delon. And you saw in some sequences, like he was staying with Damian Lillard, like he was staying with CJ uh, towards the end of the game. There, I mean, those are, I mean, a couple of those shots CJ was making over Dorian. Dorian was just, Dorian played perfect defense, especially towards the end of the game. Yeah. There, and the angles that I mean, they CJ, can get on their their pull up jumpers is incredible. It's it's wild. But, Dirk uh, would smile but at yeah. those jumpers. Dorian is, uh, I think Dorian's really important to this team defensively. Yeah, low key, he's he's important as far as like a hustle. Like he should be the Patrick Beverly type guy. You know, we talk about how every team needs a guy like that, a defensive specialist you can throw in there. Your Andrea Godala types, your, um, yeah, your, your Patrick Beverly types. Like I think Dorian has to be that guy for the Mavericks. And we thought maybe Delon Wright could. And in the last game against the Pelicans, Delon Wright was for a little bit, but Dorian has to be that for this Mavericks team. I think. Do you not agree? <laughs> yeah, I was reading something with uh, some, with a box score. Okay, well let's get let's um, get into it then because we both want to talk about it. So, Luca at the end of the game takes a step back pull up three that he's made a bunch of times in clutch times before. We 
Think back mm-hmm. to the eleven zero run against the, you know, the Rockets. We think back to even the the Portland catch and shoot shot. Like that's that's a deep like shot. He's taken all kinds of shots like this. He takes one at the end of this game and misses it. And it feels like a lot of people were upset about it. And Isaac tweeted some snarky things. Isaac, do you want to explain your snarky things? No, I just I get frustrated whenever Luca hits a step back three and it's a game winner or he banks it in and everybody's like we're tweeting out the highlights. We love the it. Shot against the oh Pelicans. The bank shot against the Pelicans. The last exactly. game he did that, and everyone was excited about it. Yeah, it's Luca MVP. Let's go, Luca greater than Trey. Luca's, I mean Ben Simmons. What? I mean, we're all doing like let's go. Like Luca can hit these shots. This is what he's known for. Step back, and then bam, the Mavericks lose a game, and he misses two step back threes towards the end of the game, and we're like, whoa, you know, my timeline's full of these are bad shots. Why is he shooting these shots? He should drive all this different stuff. I don't care if Luca admits it or not. Who are mm-hmm. we as fans to sit here and say? Man, we love these shots. These are awesome if they go in. And then, bam, when he takes the same kind of shots, even the the, the shot against Hazonia, like he had, that's a good, like, that's a good look. Yeah, the like, very that. last shot against Hazonia, I thought was a good look. Uh, but he had, he had taken it and drove a couple times that I thought were, were important too. But yeah, I, I'm with you on the, you know, the, the fact that Hassan Whiteside and Zach Collins were out of the game, they didn't have any centers, that's when I think you attack the basket. And I think that's why the quote that made us both pause and laugh earlier because we were talking about this before, Luca said, I lost that game. Bad shot selection. They were in the bonus. I should have drove it. Talking about, you know, his end of the game shots, which, hey, he, he admits it, but they didn't, have, they didn't have a rim protector. So, yes, we can be upset about, you know, his shot selection, uh, and we can say, oh, well, you liked these shots then. Why don't you like them now? But there's a reason why I think he should have drove and he should have changed his shot selection then. So I, I, I sure. think people upset about these shots are, are correct in this game. If, they, if it continues, if it's like, oh, we always hate these shots when they don't go in, then that's different. But in this game specifically, I think that towards the end, I think they didn't have a center. <laughs> they didn't have anybody. They had Mario Hazonia guarding the rim. They had Rodney Hood guarding the rim. I get I get that one hundred percent, but I guarantee you there's situations in which they're in the bonus and he's not driving and he's also hitting three pointers against other teams and we're not saying a dang thing about it. And it it's sure, like but you, you it's can't because, keep track of every what everyone's saying all the time. Exactly. It's universally accepted, like, okay, cool, when they go in, no one's talking about shot selection. It's kinda like Seth I mean, it's kinda like Steph Curry to where when when Steph it became like a normal thing for Steph to hit these shots. And then when he goes on a slump, it's, you know, you even hear some of the commentators, oh, that's a tough shot. Bad shot right there. I'm like, we're used to Steph taking these shots. He can hit these shots at a high clip. And when Luka misses some of these shots at the end of the game, and we, okay, answer this. Would everyone be talking about Luka's shots right now if Dorian gets fouled and he hits two free throws and they win the game? No. and but, Not as much. No, but you'd be exactly. talking about Dorian's free throw shooting. We'd be talking, we'd, there'd be any number of things we could be talking about. But not everybody will be throwing a fit about a shot selection. And I just think it's kind of unfair to the player. And I think this is this is one, another small reason why, why players get frustrated with fans sometimes. To where I can see if I'm Luca and I get on my Twitter and I search my name and I see all this stuff, I, I could be telling myself the same thing. Even though he's admitting it, hey, yeah, I should have drove tonight. But there's probably a side of him too to where I could see him like, all right, all these fans love loved these shots when they go in. And they're hyped and they're cheering and everything. 
But now that they, now that they don't go in a few times and we lose the game, now he's getting crucified. I mean, we could pull up tweet after tweet about man, Luca, what is he doing? This is dumb shot selections. What like what like why isn't he driving? Why isn't he all this stuff? Why isn't he throwing it down to KP? Is the size advantage all this stuff? Like everyone's jumping on this wagon right now to just bash Luca in his decision making at the end of the game. If Luca wants to admit it, that's one thing. But I don't. I just don't. I think it's a little hypocritical for us too sometimes. When we're gonna praise the when we're gonna praise them when they go in. I think we just get excited about them when they go in. Yeah. I don't think you acknowledge it's a good shot when it goes in. But you're like, oh man, that was crazy. But I think but I mean he's not going to like because he makes these shots, he's obviously gonna take them again. And like, I mean, I'm down for it. Like, he's made them before, so like, sure, bro. Like, yeah, obviously you look at it in hindsight and say, in the bonus. No white side. You should be driving the basketball. Okay, cool. But he's made these shots before. Like it's Luca's a but different is, ball game is, than some of these other sure, players. Sure, but this so. is this is analytics now. This is this is where you know how close is your defender? How you know how well do you shoot from that spot on the floor? What you know what time is it? Is it clutch time? Like all these different numbers come in and say, is this a good shot or is that not, not a good shot? And I feel like they would say that. Going and driving on a, a guy that's you know six seven and trying to shoot over top of that guy would be better than the shot that he took. And so, in this instance, then yeah, you know, sure he's taken those shots before, but there was a better shot available. Yeah, well, I think you could also look at Damian Lillard's shot against Paul George in the playoffs last year and be like, if that goes out, I mean, how many fans are for Portland Center saying? Who would shoot a 35-foot side set stop? I mean, shot. Like, just drive the basket. Like, go, get to the basket, get a foul and all this stuff. It's this two-fold thing where, like, hey, if you're if you're going to have a player to that magnitude of Luka who's proven that he can hit these type of shots, you got to live with it both ways. But just don't go crucifying him whenever he misses a couple of them and we lose a basketball game. But then you're going to praise him and put a fathead on your wall when he hits the next one. I'm taking down the fathead because he missed those shots. Sorry, I'm down here. You can hear right me real I just ripped it off the wall. Gone. <laughs> that was your Lakers one. Actually, you can't call it a fathead anymore because the new Holger has taken over. Really? And he's oh. <laughs> what about that belt? Emma, uh, who's a great follow on Twitter, uh, Slovenian. I don't even know Emma's last name, but she <laughs> tweeted out a picture a picture of uh, Luca's girlfriend, and she was wearing this belt, and it was like Luca's Rookie of the Year stats that she had put on her Instagram. Remarkable. I thought that was so cool. She's committed. She's committed to being the new Holger. She knows. She knows. Yes, she is. Holger. I didn't pronounce that word all the way through. Okay. Well, how we? I thought Luca. I thought Luca made the right pass at the end of the game too. Even though I'm not wearing talking about who caught the ball and shot it, but <laughs> how we? I thought that was the right. How move. we got to this, you know, shot at the end, and how we got to the a couple of these shots. Um, man, the Mavericks were going back and forth. Zach Collins was out because he had essentially dislocated his shoulder on a you know foul play around the rim. Hassan Whiteside I didn't understand how he did it, by the way. The what? I didn't understand how he did that, by yeah, the way. Yeah, it didn't look like it like it, maybe Luca got up under his shoulder, but I don't understand how it got wedged out. Like it just didn't, didn't make any sense physically. Whiteside fouled out with, with just over two minutes left. Um Curry was going off in the in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh is, are we now finally, you know, Curry was playing in crunch time. Are we going to get a Curry starting or is Curry now part of this oh. closing time rotation? Because he definitely needs to be. I Somebody hey. said, I, man, who said this uh, on my, in my mentions today? That, that, um, 
Oh, Simbashiri said that if, I'm definitely pronouncing his name wrong. Uh, but Tim Hardaway Jr. should never play over Seth Curry. And I think I agree <laughs> with him completely. I think they ask him to do a couple you know, like different things. I think they view Tim as a little bit better defender, which I think you could uh, argue that. But um, that run, yeah, that Seth went on. I mean, I, that just shows. I mean, what do we? What? What? What did we really push for on our last podcast? Can we get Courtney Lee's minutes and just give them to Seth? Like, even though Courtney Lee just played five minutes and he, he was like a spot starter, <laughs> like just give those five minutes into Seth. And you saw it tonight. Courtney Lee didn't play at all, and it looked like those minutes went to Seth. Seth played Seth tw- 20, 25 minutes, yeah. Yeah, 25 minutes. And, I mean, I just – what Seth brings offensively, his just his shooting. And, yeah, we already talked about his underrated defense. He had a defensive sequence that was just impressive, impressive as an outside shot. And, yeah, he had a nice run in that fourth. And I don't know if it's a six-man type of role. I don't know if it's – I mean, towards the end of the game – that closing lineup I actually made a note of that. They had Brunson and Seth in there together. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting. Uh running, you know, it wasn't Delon, but it was Brunson, Seth, Luca, Dorian, and Porzingis. And I think so. I think that's what it was. But I thought that was intriguing. It was definitely intriguing as a closing lineup. So okay, coming up, let's get into the coaches challenge at the end. You know, all the man, all that went into it. And uh we'll discuss why the Mavericks lost this game coming up. All right, Isaac. So the last couple possessions of the game, um, Luca was uh, was isoing on on CJ McCollum with less than a minute to go. CJ tips the ball out of bounds. Luca has to heave it from the backcourt. Then on the other end, Damian bad shot. Why didn't he drive it? <laughs> Be- My gosh, he was forty feet from the basket. <laughs> I know he should have. Um, they didn't even have a center on the floor. Why didn't he drive it? There was in a bonus. Shut too? up! Shut up! Stop! What? Stop talking. 30 seconds left. Damian Lillard drives uh, on Luka. He gets that kind of like under-the-shoulder move that he does against defenders. Easy two-point, and that's when the uh, Blazers took the lead. There's 26 seconds left for the Mavericks. Luka takes a three. Dorian gets the rebound, the offensive rebound, which is just massive. That that comes off of – that comes on the, the box score as a one in the offensive rebound category, and you have no idea how big that is. That rebound was absolutely incredible. Like, I know everybody's going to look at the instant replay thing, but just go back and watch where Dorian came from to get that board and how he he, he literally is. And I'm I don't I'm not saying this as like a like he is one of the best offensive rebounders in the NBA. He's great at this. We've we've been harping this for the past how many years since we've been doing this podcast. I tweeted out tonight. I said, like, Hey guys. Dorian Finney-Smith's a good offensive rebounder because th- this is the tweet I've literally sent like a freaking million times. He's amazing. At yeah, that. we've been Derek Harpering this forever. Yes. Yeah, he starts – I'm watching it right now. He starts in the, the left corner when Luka takes his shot, and Luka gets the shot off pretty cleanly. He misses off the back. Dorian gets the ball. He kind of pivots around, and then Damian Lillard comes in and swipes the ball and smacks the ball out of his hands, and – Dorian hits the ball while he goes out of bounds. A foul is called. And then we get the little Terry Stotts waving the finger, the green light flashing. Coach's challenge. And what's crazy is without this new role, like this could, I I know there's a ton of different plays and you can do, you know, whatever a thousand times. They they wouldn't have been able to review it because it was a foul, right? They would just have to, they would have to just go with it before. Yeah. Without this new role, 
And Dorian hits two free throws. Like, that's game, basically. I mean, I know there's, what, seven seconds left. Damien it's not do anything. But. It's not game because Dorian would have to go to the free throw line and hit two free throws or at least one free throw to tie the game. So he, he would have to do that first, but you you would hope yeah. that he would hit the free throws. I think – I don't have the play in front of me like you do, but there was somebody in the corner, that left corner, maybe Brunson, that when Dorian first got the board and he turned around, I thought for sure – because they went towards Luca, whoever that uh, perimeter, or perimeter defender was, and I thought for sure he was going to kick it to the corner, back kind of where he took off from and because I thought they were wide open. I could have been wrong. Yeah, okay, but. so there's uh, – a. So he gets the ball. He's kind of on the right block when he has the ball and he spins around. And Curry is out towards the right corner, back mm. not the opposite way of where he came from. And so he, ha- I'm looking at it right now with 9.5 seconds left. He has a clear path to throw it over to Curry, and uh, he definitely could have. He definitely could have gotten it there. But there's a lot of arms in his way. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame Dorian at all on that. I'm like just the knowing how much time Dorian left drove to the rim. Like a- he went to the rim. <laughs> he did because <laughs> uh, they were in the bonus and that's why he drive to the rim but uh, here's my thing with this challenge thing I, I don't know where I land on it I, obviously a lot of Mavs fans and us right now are like oh, I hate this thing because it didn't work out in our favor <laughs> but I kind of go to this like NFL I, I can't help to go to the NFL challenge thing it's, to me if it's not inconclusive like if it's not definite like i feel like the the call on the court just like the nfl the call on the court is like what you're working with and when you go to the replay monitors you have to have a definitive answer like to overcall it if it's anywhere like in the gray area anywhere close then you just stick to the original call kind of like the nfl does with pi and these new pi calls and all this different stuff i thought yeah and i thought this was so close that it wasn't inconclusive. I thought this was so like, I didn't get it. Like I could like, yeah. I mean, from the angles, it looked like he hit Dorian's left arm. I thought uh, from, I, I thought that, but I didn't think it was so clear to overturn it. And that's what blew me away. Yeah. It's interesting. And he gets like on the foul. So Damian Lillard is facing Dorian Finney's left side and Damian smacks with his left hand, smacks the ball with his left hand. And now there's some plays, and I don't know the rules as well as I probably should, but there's some plays where your hand is an extension of the ball. And so if you smack the hand, it doesn't count. But I feel like in this, it's not a shot. It's it's just yeah. a very weird uh, rule. But he gets his right arm into into Dorian, too. So you could have called a foul on, on that, too, because he kind of pushes with his right arm. And that's why Dorian kind of goes flying. And there's just a couple – I just don't understand – how they could have said that this is definitely not. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna read this as I read this. Can you pull up Mark Cuban's tweet? Yeah, I have it in front of me. Okay, I'm gonna read this. NBA crew chief Courtney Kirkland met with the pool reporter oh, yeah. Dwayne Price of Mavs.com. Oh, shout. Let's go, That's Dwayne. The pool reporter, fascinating. <laughs> um, the question to Courtney Kirkland, referee: What did you see on the re- replay after the coach's challenge, and what led to the call being overturned? Courtney, Courtney, why Courtney did we Kirk- lose? <laughs> <laughs> Courtney Kirkland responds with direct quote. This is from Brad Townsend's Twitter uh, in response to Dwayne asking a question. Once Portland challenged to play and we were able to go and look at a replay, we were able to have a clear, conclusive evidence that Damian Lillard legally deflected the ball from Dorian Finney-Smith. That's bullcrap. That's not direct quote. That's bullcrap. <laughs> they call themselves <laughs> bullcrap. Unless you saw a different replay that we did, that's bullcrap. All right. And if you did see it, then all of us should see it that angle too. And so he continues quoting now, 
Once the ball was legally deflected, the ball was loose when the whistle blew, which led to an inadvertent whistle. Therefore, we ended up having a jump ball at the center circle between any two players. I just... It should have... Yeah. yeah. Can you read Mark Cuban's tweet? Yeah, so so Mark... So the, the ball goes to... You know, they, they jump ball, and then Porzingis gets it. Luca was blocked out by Bazemore. Bazemore gets the ball. They foul him and all that. Cuban's tweet after the game... I'm a fan of the NBA challenge rule, but if a play is overturned and they don't show the replay, that justifies overturning a call along with an X. Ex- okay, hold on. But if a play is overturned and they don't show the replay, that justifies overturning a call along with an explanation, then it's going to have real problems. From the angles we saw in arena, it looked like a clean strip, but body contact first. That's that right arm I was talking about. Fans in our arena have no idea why the foul was overturned. That's not the way this should work. And I think that goes back to the NFL thing. The the NFL, you know, refs go back onto the, you know, they have their microphones and they get on the broadcast and on the, you know, in the arena and they say that this is why I was overturned. You know who Mark Cuban's talking to tonight. And I'm going to say his initials start with an A and an S uh, because he's pissed and you know he's going to be calling Adam Silver about this (laughs) and saying, hey, we got to, like, I get that this is a new role, but we got to figure this out because... Cuban tweeted out exactly what we were just talking about. From the angles that we saw, there's no way you can say that. So if they're seeing different angles, then that needs to be shown on the Jumbotron. It needs to be shown on the broadcast for everyone to see that because there's no way you can look at the angles that we saw on TV and the and the Jumbotron and say, hey, that was clean strip. And that's just dumb, especially when that wasn't the call made in the first place. They they drew that conclusion to overturn the call. Like it, it, I was just dumb. Yeah. Unless they saw maybe a more high definition version of what we saw because the above the, I think the above angle was the best angle. Yeah. And I think that but you could make a case if it was a super high def, you could tell, you know, how much of his hand he got. But then like, I think Bobby Corral tweeted like how much of his hand does he have to get in order for it to be a foul? Like, is it exactly. a certain percentage? Do you have to cover a certain amount of skin? Like, uh, yeah, so that's crazy. But there you go. The first challenge that worked against the Mavericks. We'll see if this continues to be a thing. I mean, and, and Terry Stotts, I mean, both him and Carlisle. Great job for you guys for holding the challenge. Yeah, finally. Like, this is the first one I've, I've seen, are... and I've watched so many NBA games so far. This is the first one I've seen that was actually real that didn't come in the first half or the first like three quarters that mattered. Exactly. Hey, and this is the I almost said, hey, what about our board bet? But it wasn't Rick. Yeah, but it like count. some of these, some of these coaches blowing their challenge call in the first like five minutes of a game. I would never use it ever. Until I would just hold it until the end of the game, in just in case these scenarios. It's like a I don't even know, like an extra timeout or something that you can only have. Like I would just hold it forever, and well, I would it's never not an use extra it. Timeout unless you. Unless yeah, you but it's it right. like I'm just like it's something that I that is very valuable that could change the course of the end of a game, and I, yeah, and this in this chance, like Terry Stotts held on to it and bam, look, it literally changed the outcome of the game. I wonder if it would have changed if Dorian had clear possession when the whistle was blown. Yeah. I have so many questions like, because that. there's just so many things that I don't know about this rule yet. And there's apparently a 10 minute video of Joe Borgia explaining all of it with video and everything about <laughs> this rule that I was about to watch before this podcast and decided not to. 
I do. I don't want us to end the podcast without talking about Porzingis. I mean, he did both put of, up 32. Both of them. Both Porzingis yeah. and Lucas. 32 points, nine boards, five assists, two blocks for Porzingis in, in 34 and a half minutes. Luca with 29 points, 12 boards, nine assists, three steals. I mean, both of these guys are, are playing at such a high level. Porzingis hitting shots. He didn't even, neither of them hit well from three. I tweeted this, that they had that great of a stat line and they were five of 21 from three combined. <laughs> yeah. That stat back that KP oh, took. Zach Collins just, I mean, he retired after that. Another one of those shots to where, hey, you're seven foot three, get in the post, you should drive, blah, 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 blah. But another one of those, I mean, it's just unreal. Like, it's those type of plays that, if you could send back in time like two decades and be like, hey, can you imagine like two decades from now, there's going to be a seven foot three guy off the dribble doing a step back three in nothing but net. And I mean, it's just um, unbelievable. And his that name will never. Volpo. <laughs> Volpo. Um, it's just, yeah, that was incredible. I will say this about Porzingis when they had a stretch there in the second half to where Luca or Brunson wasn't on the floor. And we were talking about this brief, briefly before the podcast. They they do struggle with having a playmaker on the floor. It's kind of like back last year when JJ went down and they just had Luca. And it's like when Luca's off the floor, like who in the crap is running his offense? My right thought now? before the game when they announced this starting lineup because it had both Brunson and Delon Wright and Luca in, and I thought for sure we were getting JJ Barea in this game because you don't do that lineup yeah. unless you have that backup playmaker. But hey, they went without it, so. Yeah, because when they were both on the bench, you could tell that there was just. Yeah, there was a lack of a flow to the offense. It, it literally turned into KP just catching. Yeah, I feel like he shot like a couple back-to-back threes from the top of the key or shooting just shooting these long, mid-range long jumpers over people. It's just It just lacked a flow to it. So I'm curious of how Luka and Brunson's minutes are kind of staggered moving forward because of that. Carlisle is definitely so, still trying to figure out the best lineups that, that oh, work. Yeah. And I think he's still tinkering with you know how fluid he wants to keep them and you know, against which teams and matchups and things like that. And it might not ever become, you know, as rigid as like the Warriors was last year where you have definite defined roles yeah. for everybody on the team uh, because the Mavericks just, they don't have that luxury yet. Uh, they're getting there though. There's players that are definitely standing out. Maxi had a great game, uh, at least a great first quarter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He got in some foul, tr- saw- he got in some foul trouble, but he, uh, yeah, he had a good, he had a good outing. Something else I want a small thing about Luca's offensive game I want to point out. Because Luca's so good at these step back shots and because of everything he pulled off last year, it feels like even more in these first three games this year, he's getting so many people on this pump fake. And because that's just part of his game. I mean, the step back is is something he's really good at, and teams are game planning for that. So it felt like it happened three or four times tonight to where Luca did a step back and he got the person up in the air and he leaned into him and you know got fouled on a three, got fouled on a long two, whatever it is. That's the that's another part of Luca's game that's just dangerous. Like, what do you do? Do you just give him the step back because air quote it's a bad shot, um, or? If you don't jump into it, or if you do jump and contest it, then he can just pump fake and he draws a foul like that. Luca's entering this uh, this range of like James Harden ish offensive game to where it's just it's so hard to defend him without either fouling him or him just scoring on you. And that's I mean that's another area that makes him so special. He abused Hassan Whiteside at the rim a couple of times where 
You know, there's two, I think there's two plays in a row where Luca drives. He does that spin move that we were talking about in the last game, you know, with his, uh, his great footwork and he spins around his defender, which I think was Rodney Hood. And then he goes up like he's going to lay it in with his right hand. And Hassan Whiteside thinks that, you know, he's like, oh, I'm going to block this shot. And he just, Luca just throws it over to, to Maxi and Maxi gets a dunk. It was such a great play. And then on the other end, he does the same thing to Hassan, Hassan Whiteside and he gets the layup. Uh, man, he just, he can just, he has so much control over the game and can do so many things. And that's what you want in a, in a, you know, a number one scorer is a guy that has options and a guy that can do so many different things and make people better. He only shot, you know, 36% and missing a bunch of those threes didn't help. Uh, if though, if Luca and Porzingis ever get super hot, I think that mm. it's over for whatever team they play against. Yeah. And it's bound to happen at some point. My favorite Luca stat of the night, 11, 14 from the free throw line. Big Let's time. go. That's, that's 70, stars 78%, do. but still, that's that's 11 made free throws, and that's huge. Yeah. That's what stars do. He, he attempted 14 free throws on the night. Like, that's big time. And hitting 11 of them, we want him to hit that 80% mark, but attempting 14, that's that's huge for Luka moving forward. That's massive. All right, anything else from this game? No, I, just full circle – I'm just not too. I don't think anybody should be like super upset about this. It, it's a Monday. Go to work. Hang your hat high on this Mavericks team. This is a fun team. Like it's not like they went out. Like there's a whole different scenario that they go out tonight after playing the Pelicans and Wizards, and they're two zero, and you're like, let's go. Like you're super hyped. Blown out and th- th- yeah, they go out and play Portland, the first like kind of playoff team, first kind of real test, and they just get smacked, and they get they lose by like twenty five, and you're like, all right, crap. We got hyped over Dallas beating two kind of like non-playoff teams but they were right there into the end Luke and KP combined for what'd you say 61 points on the night like the duo was there big big performances by by Seth off the bench Maxi played a good game like they're gonna be getting Dwight back soon there's no reason to anything to there's no reason to be worried there's no like there's a lot of good in pull from this game and they were right there with a team that was in the Western Conference Finals last year and now they got Denver coming up on Wednesday and That'll be another fun one. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the Mavericks were in this game. They had a chance to win, and we've seen now the flashes of their offense. In that first quarter, we saw what this offense can be, and that's what they just need to keep trying to get to. They're still a new team. They're still trying to figure it out, and once they do, it's going to be dangerous, and uh, that was an exciting um, you know, first quarter, and then the end of the game was pretty exciting. So well, there you go. We'll be back tomorrow talking about probably this game a little bit more and probably checking in on some of our board bets. We had a couple things that that happened in this game that we have to check off and uh, more like that. So, guys, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Maps. Peace out. Boom.